Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose, and that you can do it right through the things that God is carrying you through in your season as a single mom. Here we talk about all of the things that matter to a single mom, but most of all, I hope you found a place where you feel like you belong. Let's get started. I'm so glad you could join me for this episode today. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly. Today, we're going to be talking about the parenting moments that maybe don't go so well, but actually can lead us to a better way to go. I'm joined in this conversation by the money-saving mom, Crystal Payne, and we are talking about her book, Love-Centered Parenting. Love-Centered Parenting is really about how we connect with the heart of our children and what God wants to do through our kids rather than parenting in ways that would simply just modify their behavior and maybe even be more for our reputation than for their good. I know a lot of us deal regularly with feelings we'd rather not have, feelings like loneliness, anxiety, rejection, anger and depression. The ways we've learned to cope with these emotions and with our triggers can help us survive, but they can also eventually keep us stuck in patterns that cause us to feel overwhelmed and threaten our well-being and our relationships, especially when it comes to our kids. Over at plusoneparents.org slash quiz, you can take the what's your stress style quiz and learn more about how your coping strategies might actually be holding you back but how you can also make changes that will get you moving forward. That quiz, again, is at plusoneparents.org slash quiz. One of the things I loved about this conversation with Crystal is this idea of reparenting. This is something that has happened in my own life, that as God has reparented me and shown me who I am as His child, that it's really shifted the way that I parent my own children. Here's my conversation with Crystal Payne. Crystal, so glad to have you with me today. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to be here. Crystal, when it comes to love-centered parenting, this is something like many of our parenting revelations that came out of a time that things were actually not going so well. And in your book, you talk about having to relearn how to parent, but it was in a very difficult season. Would you tell us more about what was going on during that time? Yeah, so I never envisioned that I would write a book that has parenting on the title. In fact, if you had asked me eight years ago, you know, would I someday write a parenting book? I'd be like, no, not touching that one with a 10-foot pole. But I also didn't know that about five years ago, the bottom was going to fall out of all my parenting ideals. And I kind of had felt like, you know, I'm, I'm doing a pretty good job. And I'm, you know, look at my kids. Things are going well. It, it felt like that. And then one day, we showed up at the little Christian school that our kids were attending, and the principal met my husband and said, I need to speak with you and your child and your wife after school. And my husband came home and just, it was like one of those days where you just know something is really bad, about to go down, and you just feel it in the pit of your stomach. And we showed up to that meeting and found out, yes, our child had done something that had broken the school's code of conduct. Um, and it was just really severe. 
But that was just the tip of the iceberg. And from there, over the next days and weeks, this child just spiraled out. Anxiety, depression led to them saying suicidal things. We ended up in the ER. And so I start Love Centered Parenting in the ER, just talking about what it's like to walk into the ER and say, my child's suicidal. Like you never, ever, ever envision as a mom, when you're holding your brand new, sweet little newborn baby, that that's going to be in your future. And yet it was there that God met me and I felt his love so profoundly. And it really, this whole situation of hitting rock bottom, it started me on this journey of saying, I need to change. Something needs to change. And I don't know what that looks like, but God, I need your help because I don't want to keep going down this path. And help me to know how to parent my child. Help me to know what needs to happen internally for me. And it was just really this journey of me recognizing how much dysfunction I had when it came to my beliefs about God and how I was walking those out and learning to be reparented by my Heavenly Father so that then I could change the way that I parented my kids. I was so blessed reading the book and hearing your story, even hearing you tell it again now, because many of us as single moms feel the weight of what has happened to us and to our kids, to our families. And when we see our kids acting out, when we see our kids struggling, when we see our kids getting into trouble, having suicidal thoughts, all these types of things, very often we internalize that and say, this is my fault. This is happening because of X, Y, or Z choice or X, Y, or Z other influence that now we're staring at the situation and going, I have no idea what to do. And I think coupled that, coupled along with that is that sense of what the weight is as a Christian parent to do it all right and to feel that, well, if I'm following all the right, quote unquote, parenting things, then my kids will turn out exactly as they're as I believe that, you know, they're supposed to. And that's so not the way of life. And so Anyway, just hearing your story, it was just such a me too kind of a moment of like, okay, okay, I'm not alone. This is not hopeless. There are ways that we can identify those, some things that may be under the surface that are causing problems for us that we can at least adjust to help our kids through whatever they're journeying through. We don't have to necessarily absorb a lot of the shame that comes with the fact that our kids may be struggling. But once we peel that away, we have the ability to walk with the child and say, okay, but what can I do to facilitate this child's growth and their healing process? But as you alluded to, there were some things you had to relearn, and it was a reparenting that happened, that this was a hard work for you, not just a behavior modification thing, which I thought was also fantastic because a lot of times that's Initially, how we approach parenting is, I got to get this behavior to stop. But really what it is, is the heart underneath that. So tell us about that heart work and the condition of your heart as you embarked on relearning these things. You know, it was interesting because I started really analyzing, why do I feel all the things that I'm feeling in this moment? Because, you know, as you're walking through a really difficult situation 
with your child. Like you talked about, so often you feel that shame. You feel that guilt. You feel like, you know, well, I thought we were doing the right thing. Apparently we completely missed the mark. And, and you can internalize that and take that all on. But I started to, you know, just really dig deeper into like what's going on here and why is this so upsetting to me? And I realized that I was parenting for my reputation. Like I cared so much what other people thought. And so when my child starts making these choices that I know other people are not going to approve of, when my child is acting in a way that I know could be very easily criticized by other parents, my parenting was being criticized by other parents. Um, I realized how much I cared about my reputation. And I was parenting for my reputation, not for my relationship with my kids. But I dug deeper into, okay, where's that coming from? And at the root of that, which this took me a long time to really process and ask why, and then ask why again, and just go layer after layer. But I realized that it was my dysfunctional view of God. Like I was viewing God as someone who like I needed to please, I needed to earn his favor and his approval by what I did instead of really resting in who I am in Christ. That I love Jennifer Dukes Lee. She talks about we're pre-approved. Like we don't have to do more, be more, try harder in order to win God's approval or affirmation or favor. And so I was working so hard and carrying this heavy weight on me that God had never called me to. And you were talking about how, you know, parents, we internalize this and we take this on. And when I was writing this book, I actually asked on Instagram, I'm the money saving mom on Instagram, and I ask for people to fill in the blank. My job as a parent is to blank. And it was fascinating. I got hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of responses. And I would say that 98 to 99% of the responses were things we ultimately have no control over as a parent. But we feel like we do. Like you talked about, if we do A, B, C, and D, then our kids are going to turn out well. And the inverse of that, though, is that our kids' behavior and actions are always our responsibility. And yes, we nurture, we train, we teach, we model, all those things. God's called us to that. But the results are up to Him. Mm -hmm. So I was crumbling under the weight of results, like what I was seeing in my child that didn't line up with what I thought was supposed to happen because of A, B, C, and D. And it was crushing me because I was carrying a weight that God had never called me to carry. And I wasn't resting in who I am in Christ. And so I really had to then start unpacking these negative beliefs that I had believed for so long, these lies of I'm not enough and I don't measure up and you know I'm a disappointment to those closest to me and all these things that it just these lies that I had believed that I'd lived under for so long they'd become labels that I wore and led with so any situation I would go into I went into it leading with a lie and the truth is we're not enough in our own strength. Mm -hmm. But in Christ, we can do all things. Mm -hmm. And so if I were to just sit in that, you know, stay stuck in that belief, I'm not enough, I'm a failure, I'm a disappointment, which is what I did over and over and over, 
then that affected so much of how I viewed all of life. And I didn't have that wholeness and that freedom and that peace and that joy that comes from resting in how much I'm loved by God. And so it was a two-year process for me of recognizing the lies that I was believing and then replacing those lies with truth. And a lot of times it would happen for me when I'm um, putting on my makeup in the morning and I'm standing in the mirror and it's like, I feel like that's when I just review my day or at night before I would go to bed, just kind of reviewing all the things that I'd done wrong. And then you kind of turn that into like, I am wrong. And it's not just, you know, I did this, but I am like, there's something wrong with me. And instead of understanding who I am in Christ and how much I'm loved by Him. So every time I would hear that lie of you're a failure, you're a disappointment, changing it to what is the truth? What is the truth? What does God's word say? And just cramming truth into me. And the more that I did that, the more that the truth started to set me free to have confidence to walk as God had called me instead of feeling this heavy weight of who I thought I was supposed to be. And so living as loved, then it impacted every single area of my life, but especially in my parenting. I love that you mentioned that so many of these things would happen at the bathroom mirror because I have the same thing as like these bathroom mirror revelations. It's almost as good as the, sh- it's actually better than the shower sometimes, but <laughs> but it is so easy for us to get caught up in this math equation kind of parenting where we really feel like it all depends on us and where there are certainly things that we can do to have strong influence. And that's one of the the blessings of the ministry that is motherhood is that there are less opportunities in life where we will have that much influence over a person and they're coming to Christ. This this is the the paramount. This is the one, you know, where we're going to have that. But it's such a long game. And there's so many other influences. And our kids have their own walk with the Lord just as we have. And so when we can release the outcome, I love that. Just if when you can pull back and say, okay, I'm just responsible for what I'm what I am gonna do. I'm not responsible for the way that this all comes out to be. But if I'm just responsible for the next step and the next thing, then we have the ability to start examining, okay, well, why do I do this? And why is this such a big deal to me? And like remove ourselves from the way the kid is behaving and focus so much more on where we want to lead and what we're leading from. And I think, you know, when it comes to guilt and shame, and you just alluded to it, guilt is I made a mistake. And you know what? Sometimes in our parenting, that's real. We make mistakes, right? (laughs) But if we get stuck underneath the shame that says, I am a mistake, we never even actually get to the point of correcting the things that we could maybe influence and make some changes with because we're so paralyzed with, well, everything I do is terrible because I just, I guess I'm not cut out for this thing and all of that. But so as you were being reparented and you're starting to replace the lies with truth then, can you give us a practical understanding in your household of how that changed the way you approached your kids? So I think that when we approach our kids from that place of shame, we're going to approach them with frustration because it becomes about us. Like we're trying to fix their behavior 
because we feel like we're trying to fix something that's broken in us. Mm. So if we can kind of control their behavior, it makes us feel a little bit better about ourselves. I can control you and then I will feel better. Yes. <laughs> yes, 100%. That never works long term, no. but like in the short term, <laughs> you know. And so I feel like so much of our parenting frustration comes from we're parenting out of fear, we're parenting out of pride, we're parenting out of selfishness. Like we're afraid of the future. We're afraid of where this behavior right now today is going to lead, and we play it out long-term, 10 years from now. And so then we parent in that moment out of the fear of 10 years from now. Oh, 100%. And we get super frustrated with our child because all we can think about is 10 years from now. Like, all, if I don't do something right now, then you're going to turn out to be yes. X, Y, or Z. So yes. I need to do something about this right yes. now. I got it. So true. <laughs> uh, or that pride of, like I talked about, our reputation. And so we're thinking in our head as we're addressing a situation, we're thinking of our reputation. And like, if they don't fix this, I can't get a handle on this. If I can't help change this character, then what is so-and-so going to think of me? Or when they go to school, what is their teacher going to think of me? Or how am I going to be viewed if, you know, someday they make really bad choices? And so it's for our reputation or selfishness. I feel like a lot of times we just want to kind of micromanage our kids so that our life is easier. And so every time when that frustration rises, I start to really ask myself, like, where is this coming from? Because it's probably not coming from a healthy place. Mm -hmm. And is it fear? Is it pride? Is it selfishness? And so the switch for me came when I understood how much I was loved by God, when I lived out of that space of love. And one of the biggest things for me is I was listening to this podcast. It's the Trim Healthy Mama podcast. And they were they had this guest on, and she was talking about that negative narrative that we have in our head. And she said she started asking herself a question, how would loved me live? How would loved me respond? How would loved me act? I thought that was so profound because in that moment when I was listening to that, I was like, I don't even know because I don't know what it would be like to feel like I was fully and wholeheartedly loved and to live out of that space. But I was like, I want that. I want that. I want to have such deep inner peace and deep inner understanding of who I am in Christ, that I'm redeemed, that I'm chosen, that I'm forgiven, that I'm loved and then live out of that space. And so I started doing that. I just started asking myself, how would loved me live? How would loved me respond? How would loved me react? And I realized, okay, so with my kids, if I truly believe that I'm totally and fully and wholeheartedly loved by my creator, and I am, then if they're fighting, if they're frustrated, if there's a situation that needs to be addressed, I'm going to come at it not because I care about my reputation, not because I'm afraid of the future, not because I want to just fix things so my life will be easier, but because I want to walk with them. And so I really started to stop and before addressing something, send up what I call in my book, Flare Prayers, of just like, Holy Spirit, please help me Please help your love to flow through me as I address the situation with a child. And it changes your posture towards your child when it's not about you. It's not about fixing something so that you feel better. It's about walking with your child to point them to Jesus. And that is where I find 
we have so much more power than we even recognize that there's so much that we have maybe to this point strived at, tried to do in our own strength, sticker charts, all of the things, right, to to modify the behavior. But even just in that desperate prayer before you're about to step into something, it just gets you in the right frame of mind to say, what am I doing here actually though? I'm pointing these kids toward Jesus. I'm discipling them. It's so much more than this moment right now. And like you said, my annoyance with this and just getting them to be quiet or, you know, whatever whatever the thing is at hand and saying, if I look at this, and this is where the long game of mothering, while it can be exhausting, is so in our favor because it is a collection of all of these moments, all of these experiences. And even to the point where we are right now and going, oh, I've already lost so much time. We have the ability even to start today with one of these moments and say, God, I just, I need you to show me what to do. I need you to show me how to be peace in this. I want you to work through me, not me to come out of me, because if I come out of me, these kids are going to be like scrubbing toilets with toothbrushes, you know, but, but some of these things too, we may have the right inclination. There may need to be a consequence, but it's how it gets delivered. You know, it's that. What is the heart that's coming out of you? And they so often are are doing things because they want to know, will you still love me? They want to know if I am not performing to my best, are you going to accept me? And how we step into those moments communicates so much more than just what the consequence is or what what the action at hand is. And I think it's also an opportunity for us to get to show Jesus to our kids. And it's so easy for, you know, we take our kids to church, we sing them, Jesus loves me, and we, you know, talk to them about that. But the life that we live before them, that's the greatest gospel that they're ever going to see. And so, you know, for us, if we truly understand how much we're loved by God and they get to see that walked out, my kids oftentimes will hear me praying, you know, just there's something that's happening that's hard, that's overwhelming, and just me stopping and praying and just be like, God help me. I can't do this in my own strength. And like for them to get to just see me having to rely upon God because I can't do it in my own strength and for them to feel His love through me. And so often if there's a situation, you know, you were talking about how the there's a consequence that needs to be delivered. But I feel like it's not only in the how, but it's also in the why. Like, what is our heart behind, you know, saying, okay, you made that choice. Choices have consequences. Here's the consequence. But being able to set it up in a way that it points them to Jesus, you know, that our heart is to, as J.D. Kanyan talks about, not be our kid's Savior, but to point them to the Savior. And I just feel like as we go throughout our day, to have that be our desire is that how are we pointing our kids to Jesus today? How could we show them and model for them and just really give them this desire to have a relationship with the God of the universe and that they see in our life the love that we have for Him and how much He loves us? I just want it to be contagious for my kids. There are three words every abuse survivor must hear. God hates abuse. Plus One Parents has released a devotional for abuse survivors called Safe Haven, a devotional for the abused and abandoned. 
Safe Haven is a biblically-based guide to abuse, giving you the tools that you need to identify it, respond to it, and heal from it. Safe Haven is now available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook formats, and you can locate a link to purchase your copy down in the show notes. You know, in this single mom season, when you talk about living it out in front of our kids, I have had to lean into a relationship with God harder than I have ever had to in my entire life. And for many women, myself included, many listeners, when things are not going well, sometimes it is this sense of like, I just need a dad figure. I need a husband. I need a man. I need somebody to come in here and fix this because I can't. And that actually sets us up to feel extremely powerless. It sets us up to do things, perhaps even out of desperation, that we don't want to do, really. And truly, what we end up doing, though, is we miss out on the empowering of God as our perfect husband, as our perfect father, empowering us through a relationship with him to experience that move within our household. And this is something, though, that married, single, whatever, we all need this. We all need God. And we all need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to raise these kids in this world. And I think sometimes we feel perhaps that our kids are shortchanged by maybe not having a father figure in the house, um, even if he's maybe still in their life, but it's just not every day and that kind of thing. But they're not shortchanged. And in in essence, because we have to rely so heavily and so hard on our relationship with God, it actually gives our kids the opportunity to see it lived out, played out right in front of them. Now, at the end of this, we talked about with outcomes, they have the choice whether or not they're going to choose that, right? And we have to release ourselves into God's hands at that point. But you talked earlier about our role then as parents. What's our job? You know, and so how did that shift for you the sense of what what is our job as parents once you start to live as loved? It was interesting because, you know, I talked about asking my Instagram audience and so many of the responses were, my job as a parent is to raise kids who love Jesus, who are successful in the world, and who go to heaven someday. You know, and if we think about it, it's like, okay, those are great ambitions, but we can't save our kids. We can't make our kids successful. But we can sure exhaust ourselves trying to be their Savior and Holy Spirit. And so for me, as I started to shift and say, okay, what is my role in parenting? And in Love Center Parenting, I talk about the four L's, to lead in and love, to listen well, to lead with humility, and ultimately to let go. And these are things that are not dependent upon our child's choices or behaviors. They're not dependent upon their outcome. It's only dependent upon our heart towards our kids and our responses towards our children because ultimately that's all we can control. We have to leave the results in God's hands. Like success is not about having these amazing children who have great jobs and great character and love Jesus. It's about us as moms being faithful. That's what success is. Mm, that's so good. That's so good. I think this success, ooh, I just love <laughs> the way you put that because we always think of success in terms of outcomes. We always think of it as I have an end result to show for all my work. And 
really, we're called to stewardship. That's, that is where our wheelhouse is. So if we can like fall out of love with the outcome and really just get invested into what is the thing I can do today? What is something I can do? And I think really this something I can do though, it's not necessarily what is the thing I'm doing for my kids. It is how am I abiding with Jesus today? How am I hooking myself up to God? How am I cultivating this relationship with God so that what the next right thing is becomes more of an outpouring of the relationship I already have with God. And I think sometimes with just moms in general, but certainly with single moms, we sense that, well, if I'm going to spend alone time with God, or if I'm going to take, you know, I'm taking away from my kids, basically, like, I don't have time for that, you know, like, it's, or it, or it becomes a to-do list item, and it's like devotional, check, church, check, like, all of the things, right? But if we look at our relationship with God as primary, and then all the other things as the outflow of that, I think that reordering of priorities is a thing that helps us not only choose like what the better portion is, where do I really need to be putting my energy, but then some of these questions, it's less logistical. It's less like parent book type of typical fodder where it's like, okay, so I discipline like this and I this is my script and these are the things that I say. And it's so much, it's so much more of an organic flow of God flowing through us into our kids. Do you find? Yes. It's like, it's so much easier to have the A, B, C, and D. Like that's what we want. We want just somebody tell us what to do so that we could have great kids. Like I just want the formula, but it's like, there is no formula. There's Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have God's spirit in us. And I love Allie Worthington talks in her book about how we are supercharged with the supernatural superpower because we have God's spirit in us. But so often we try to do life on our own and then we end up frustrated. We end up stressed. We end up exhausted. But it's like, you have God's spirit in you. We just have to tap into it. And so when we're dealing with these situations where something needs to be addressed. We need to have a conversation. There needs to be a consequence. Instead of like, what does the parenting book say? A, B, C, and D. Okay, where's the formula? (laughs) Go to Jesus. Tap into God's spirit and cry out to him and say, spirit, I do not know what to do in this situation. Like, I am overwhelmed. I don't know how to address my child. I don't know what consequence to come up with. I don't even know. Like, they don't even want to talk to me right now. Like, they're in their room and I I don't know what to do. Help me right now. And just cried out to him. And I could just tell you, he is so faithful. But we have to look to him. It doesn't happen in our own strength. But when we cry out to him and when we humble ourselves and you know just come before him and say, I need you to walk with me. I need your spirit to give me what I need to address the situation. He is always so faithful. Mm-hmm. And the thing I think is fascinating about this is we are turning to him in our need to have our needs met. Not only for like, I need the answer to this, but I just need to know that you're here and I'm not doing this by myself. But then that actually then attunes us to what our kids need, truly what they need. So where we think, well, you need a consequence, so you stop doing this behavior, there's something at the heart level that's underneath that that 
when we slow down and we spend time with God and we see our own own needs being met, that we have the ability to have a sharper focus on the bigger picture and then really get into what is at the heart level for our kids. So as you have shifted your parenting, how have you seen a better attunement towards your kids' needs? I have stopped going into a situation kind of like with the end result in mind or the fix in mind. Like, I, as you were talking, it was making me think about so often, you know, let's say, because I have teenagers and littles, uh, but teenagers especially, like, they, you need Jesus, like, never before. <laughs> and um, I, you know, will need to address something. And I used to, when my kids were younger, it was like, I was always just, okay, we need to fix this. Like, here's the fix. And, it, and I would walk into a situation knowing the end result that I wanted to get to. But walking into it with the spirit of openness to God, just love through me. Give me your wisdom to know how to address this and for my child to feel loved and for me to just walk this well, pointing them to you. So often it ends up completely differently than I could have imagined because it's just that conversation that leads to this brokenness or openness or them. Sometimes it'll be like they're saying, they'll address something in my life that I'm like, I had no idea. Like when they're upset because of something I did yesterday that, you know, we, I need to apologize and ask forgiveness for. And so it opens the door to these really beautiful heart conversations and opportunities for us to get to know our kids on a much deeper level and really love them where they're at instead of just trying to fix them to be who we think they're supposed to be. Mm, I think that's fantastic. You know, and I think what that does too is it shifts our focus away from the repetitions, like, oh, we're doing this again. Like, oh, you did this again, you know, and that kind of thing where we're only staring at the fact that, well, we have this problem. And instead saying, this problem might be here until some harder stuff is worked out. And these repetitions are actually giving all of us the opportunity to connect again and connect again and talk again or whatever, you know, means would come from these things. But just saying that our kids are are fallen and broken just like we are and we want somebody to just walk with us. We want somebody to know when we're having a bad day and say, Hey, I know you're having a bad day rather than, well, you did that again, you know, <laughs> but how often because we feel our, our value and, you know, being right by God is connected to how everything turns out that we shortchange all of that process. And just like God walks with us in our mucky, yucky process that when we allow him to do that to for us, then we can see that as part of really what parenting is, not part of, <laughs> just what parenting is, is walking alongside our kids. And I think though, the thing that makes it difficult is the early years are so tactical, logistical, sit down, please don't do that, take your feet off the table, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing, that um, I think sometimes we long for those teenage years where there's going to be more of this like uncovering of what's underneath there, but then there's a lot there. <laughs> so it's difficult to make the pivot. Well, I think to recognize like in those young early years, you're laying the rails for your future relationship. And so to make sure that you are 
investing the time in your kids. I know it's hard when they're little because it feels like there's so much to do. There's so much monotony. You're doing the same thing over and over and over again. And so just take the time to just sit with them, to enjoy them, to look into their eyes, to play with them, however that looks, to just really care for their souls, but build that relationship. I always say, if you listen to your kids when they're little, they're going to be much more apt to talk to you when they're older. But it does, there's not just this switch that flips. All of a sudden, they turn 11 years old and they're going to start talking to you if when they were three and four and seven, you were too busy to listen to them. You were too busy to really care about them telling you for the 10th time about the Lego tower that they built. you know. And so being available to them and pouring into them then, it really is setting things up for the future. Mm-hmm. Now, Crystal, many single moms feel that we would have really loved to have been able to shelter our kids from some of the things. Um, maybe we would have liked to have been more available, but for whatever circumstances, we haven't been. We may be looking at situations and thinking, if I was not a single mom, my kids would have had it better. All the comparison, all that kind of stuff. What encouragement would you have for a mom who is feeling like her kids have just had too many challenges, too many setbacks, too many things that we couldn't protect them from? I would just encourage you that God is faithful. And regardless of what has happened, regardless of there's probably things that you've made some mistakes and those mistakes have affected your kids. I know very much, like I talk about in Love Centered Parenting, I made a lot of mistakes and those negatively affected my kids. But being able to go back to them, like my teenagers, I've gone back to them and said, you know, when you were younger, I'm really sorry. Will you forgive me for how I responded in this situation, for me not understanding the goodness of God and how much I was loved by God and and parenting out of this place of wanting to just fix it and be your Savior instead of pointing you to Jesus. And so being honest with them has opened up so many doors for us to have these beautiful conversations. And some of the mistakes that we made, like they're going to affect our kids. And, you know, we always say, like, we're going to have to pay for some therapy for you. And we already have paid for lots of therapy. And, you know, being honest with that, we are going to make mistakes. We're all going to make mistakes, but that's why there's Jesus. And so for our kids to get to see us making mistakes, learning from those, and relying upon Jesus through the hard times. And so I would just encourage any woman who's listening who's maybe feeling like, I just don't even know if there's hope. Like my kids are so traumatized, so um, hurt. There's just, they've been through so much. I just want to encourage you that as long as there's breath, there is hope. And, but just keep looking to Jesus. He is so faithful. And I feel like all of scripture, there are so many stories of brokenness that God redeems and that God can redeem the brokenness. God can use it for His glory. And what Satan meant for evil, God can use for good. And so keep looking to Him. Keep resting in how much you're loved by Him. Keep cramming truth into your mind because Satan would love for you 
to just get stuck in the negative narrative and those lies and let that stifle you and let that keep you held back from stepping into the wholeness and fullness that there is in knowing how much you're loved by God. And so don't let him win, but you have to fight by putting on the armor of God by every single day, you know, showing up in God's strength and crying out to the Holy Spirit and surrounding yourself with truth, whether that's through God's word, through worship music, through good teaching, through friends who are going to point you to Jesus, but surround yourself with that and then just keep taking the next step and the next step and the next step. And just recognize that you have that superpower that is inside of you. You are on this journey. He is not going to leave or forsake you. And He is enough. Mm-hmm. So good. So good. You know, and we have this idea, I think, and I don't know if this is a uniquely, I don't know if this is American or Western, you know, idea, but we so often feel that this sheltering approach to parenting is the way that it should be done. And Jesus is clear that in this world, we will have trouble. And that he is the only way to overcome it. And when it comes to accessing that, struggle is how we access his power. And I think that's probably the, the biggest takeaway just from this season of my life is the sheltering that even my well-intended parents. I have a great relationship with my parents, but the sheltering that I experienced, actually the trouble that it ended up causing me later. So where we may be sitting in this season going, I really wish I could have sheltered my kids from some of these things. And some of these things are horrendous. Like nobody would ever say, oh, it's okay that you, you know, (laughs) all that. Some of these circumstances are really, really bad, but God is still greater. And trouble is going to try and find us, whether sheltered or unsheltered, trouble will find us but that he promises in the midst of that, that he's going to walk us through it. And even the worst situations are not beyond his redeeming power. So good. Crystal, at the end of every conversation, I ask each guest the same question. And it is, if there was just one thing that you would want a single mom to know, what would it be? You are loved and you are beautiful you're redeemed. And I think to understand that you don't have to do more, be more, try harder, strive more to attain God's love. Like I said earlier, you're pre-approved. And so resting in that understanding, living as loved, letting yourself really soak up what would it feel like to recognize and understand to the depths of your soul that you are loved, and then to live out of that love. Let God's love permeate every single part of you and let it flow through you and just completely change who you are. I think for me, understanding that truth, instead of living in the lies, recognizing the truth, replacing the lies with truth, living in that truth, walking out of that truth of how much I'm loved by God, the truth will set you free. Thank you for that. I'm so encouraged just hearing you say that. Crystal, would you tell listeners about your resources and how they can follow along with you? 
So my very favorite place to hang out on the internet is Instagram. I'm the Money Saving Mom on Instagram. I get to share lots of behind the scenes things of our kind of wild, adventurous life of having six children and um, also just running a business and fostering and all that. Um, And then I have written a couple of different books, uh, four different books. I'm working on my fifth one. Um, Those are available on Amazon. And also if you are interested in ways to save money, um, my blog is moneysavingmom.com. Fantastic. And I will include links in the show notes to make it easier for listeners to find all of your resources. But thanks so much for sitting down with me today. Thanks so much. If you enjoyed this conversation with Crystal, I can recommend a couple of others for you. Check out episode 98, Never Alone, Parenting in the Power of the Holy Spirit with Jeannie Cunyon. Also have a listen to episode 66, Responding to Your Kids' Need for Freedom with Dr. Tim Kimmel. We'd love to invite you to get involved with the Plus One Parents community. You can join us on Facebook or Instagram at plusone.parents. And on Facebook, you can join our private Facebook group, Beloved Collective. Also at plusoneparents.org, we are constantly adding new resources related to all of the topics that we cover here on the Christian Single Moms podcast. That's everything from parenting to dating to spiritual and emotional well-being. If you'd like to stay up to date on the new resources as we release them, you can join our mailing list there as well at plusoneparents.org. I'm so grateful that you're a part of this community and that you were able to join me for this episode today. I pray always that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved.